have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9. Somebody had sent me a uh, text and uh, told me to go online and pull this thing up and read it about the situation. They made a movie out of it, and I had never seen the movie. And I read it, so my, my mind, as soon as I started reading, my mind went to this scripture. And what I do when I, the thought comes in my mind, I, I've got my a program where I've got every message I've ever preached, the scripture, the title, and the outline. I've got everyone, and for the last 10 years I've done that. And I said, well, let me, let me go back, because any time a thought comes in your mind, you might have preached on that one time before, and I don't want to preach the same message. Oh, now, get this, there are some messages that need to be preached over and over and over. Uh, but I'm one of the tries to come up with you. But my, and I went this, and I looked at it, and I said, man, I just preached on this exact verses in March of this year. I said, man, how am I going to do that? But I... I, I, I preached March on this Mark chapter 9 on the dangers of hell. And today I want to preach today, cut it off before it kills you. Cut it off before you kills you. Mark chapter 9, a stand, chapter 9, verse 42. Mark chapter 9, verse 42. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that Believeth in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck, and he were cast into the sea. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter the main, enter to life main, than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt in the life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. So let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We ask you, Lord, to touch heart, lift us up, and encourage us. Help us to be what we need to be, Father, and help us to, to take the inherent words and let it apply to our lives, Lord, that we just grow in knowledge of you each day. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. In our text here is commonly known as referred to this Sermon on the Mount. You'll also find the, it recorded in Matthew in chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. And it amazes me that many times uh, when somebody talks about the Sermon on the Mount, uh, they talk about the Beatitudes, the mercy, the grace of God. Uh, but when they get down to this particular uh, passage, they kind of clam up, shut up, and they kind of walk away from him. But the day that we're living in, we need to hear this more than ever. Uh, Christ is dealing with this life thing. Uh, the You've heard uh, the meat shall inherit the earth, uh, uh, judge not lest be judged. But here Christ is he's talking about someone living eternity in a place called hell where the weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's telling the people that this, this religious society here, he says, uh, uh, this is going to happen if you don't get right. 
we find Jesus is here is preaching the kingdom of the gospel to some of the Jews before he goes to Calvary, before he dies. He, he, he wanting them to accept the kingdom, uh, but it's postponed until he becomes, uh, comes back as King of kings and Lord of lords. Uh, you'll find many times as Jesus preaching throughout the Gospels, uh, he says some radical, bold things in his preaching. Now, if you think Jesus is one of those mild-mannered, ring-the-hand type preachers that never raised his voice, then you got another thing coming to you. He, taught, he, he gave some bold statements. You'll find bold statements throughout the Bible. And Jesus was a bold preacher. In John chapter 6, he said, Except you eat of the flesh and drink of my blood, you'd have no part of me. And I imagine people standing around him when he's preaching this message, uh, unless you eat my flesh and drink of my blood. They said, Oh, brother, you've gone a little bit too far from me. But also we find in John 6, 6, 6, that many of his disciples turned and not walk with him anymore. And the reason why they was taking Jesus literally that he had to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, but we know it's spiritually that he was talking about. Here in the text, Jesus is using the illustration just like he did in John chapter 6. He's not talking about literally cutting off your hand. He's not talking about literally cutting off your foot. He's not literally talking about plucking out your eye. Because if it is, a lot of us be sitting, in fact, all of us be sitting around here with one arm, one leg, and one eye. Amen. Uh, I would be the same way. None of us would perfect. None of us can live perfect. But we know he's talking spiritually that we need to do. What Jesus is trying to say this, is there's something that your hands have grabbed a hold of that you need to let it go. There's some things that you've grabbed a hold of that's keeping you from getting saved and keeping you from serving God that you need to let it go. Is there something that you go participate your feet take you some places that you should not go he says you need to cut it off he says if your eyes see something that hinders you or something that should not see you need to plug it out he says spiritually he says these things need to be to cut off and let me just say we understand he's talking about the sinners but let's say this he's also talking about you and I the saints of God there's sometimes that we allow things to get in our hands that we should not grab a hold of there's some places that our feet carry us that we should not go there's some things that our eyes may see that we should not be seeing and what Jesus said uh, if anything has come between you and I if anything is hindering you from growing if anything is hindering you from serving God then you need to cut it off story Aaron Ralston as I read that story on April 26 2003 He was an adventurer. He was a he likes to climb mountains. He likes to ride bikes. He likes he just likes being outdoors. So one day he got up on that day and said, you know what, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna do some climbing. He took and drove up and got as far as he could in his car and he got his bike and started riding his bike up the mountain and he said, I'm gonna repel. And as this man was repelling down this cliffside, he came into a very narrow V. And it got tight on him. 
And all of a sudden, that 800-pound boulder was dislodged. It fell down into that crack where he was at. It hit one arm, and then when it did, it, it landed on his other arm. It had pinned him in that canyon. He could not move. He could not go nowhere. He could not call help. His phone was not, uh, uh, couldn't reach out. Uh, he couldn't, he, nobody knew where he was at. He didn't tell anybody where he was going. This man was literally pinned beneath a boulder, and nobody knew where he was at. He made a choice that a lot of Christians in the world today that needs to make a choice. If I don't cut it off, his arm is pinned. He can't move. He says, if I don't cut it off, it's going to kill me. He said, I got to get rid of this thing. It's holding me back. A lot of us, there's some things in our life we may be saved, but there might be some things in our life that's hindering us from serving God, that's hindering us from growing in God. And God is trying to let us know there's some things that you need to get cut off. If you don't, it will kill you. There are those that are lost who rather have their sin than salvation. They'd rather have their beer and fun with their friends than serve God. They have reached the point of contention. They'd rather have all the stuff than to have Him. You've heard people say, I ain't getting saved because I'm not going to tie to the church. I'm not getting saved because I haven't lived my life the way I wanted to live. I'm not going to quit drinking. I'm not going to quit having fun with my friends. I'm not going to get saved now. I really love this. I've had some people tell me, I'm not getting saved because when I come to church, those people around me will make fun of me. They make fun of Christians. I I read a story of D.L. Moody. He's preaching a revival hundred years ago, preaching a revival. And in that revival, he preached, and there's a man and his wife sitting in the back, and every time he had altar call, he could see that man's uh, hands uh, gripping the uh, pew and the tears flying down his hands. He was just preaching every night to that week, and finally his wife came up. She got saved. She's looked at him and says, My husband needs the Lord too. Uh, and he goes boldly back to the back and says, Young man, uh, I want you to come down to the altar and, uh, and get right with God. He says, You know what? Uh, I, I would, but but I can't. He says, why? He's because my associates, my business associates that's sitting over there at where we at, we're making fun of this very revival that you're having. And I'm taking part in making fun of that revival. I'm taking part in it. I don't want people to laugh at me because I come to church. The man got very sick. In fact, he got deathly sick. Laying in the hospital, he kept quoting the verse that D.L. Moody used throughout that entire revival. The harvest passed, the summer's ended, and I'm not saved yet. 
He kept repeating that and finally he got to the point that his voice was not audible and his wife leaned down close to his ear and she, he said, the harvest is past. The summer has ended and I'm not saved yet. D.O. Moody went to him and said, son, uh, uh, why don't you get saved? He says, hey, I, when God wanted me, uh, I didn't want God. I've been trying. I can't find God. I can't feel God. D.O. Moody said he got on his knees and started praying. He said almost like his prayers hit the ceiling and fell back and down to him. And he says, a man died. There's been a man in hell for over a hundred years. We could get him to come up here and say, was it worth it? No, it was not worth it. Whatever you've gotten a hold of that's keeping you from serving God, you need to cut it off. Whether you think people might make fun of you, you say, well, I want to have fun with my friends. But we need to be just like Aaron Ralston. There are some boulders of sin in our life. We may be sitting in church. We may be uh, serving God. We may be uh, reading our Bibles and all this stuff. But there's some things in our life that needs to be cut off and cut out. So I like to use this story of Aaron Ralston and give you three things on what he did. Now, let me remind you up front, this story is graphic. It's graphic. You have to understand this man was pinned in this crevice of this canyon, hanging there, nowhere to go. Nothing to do. He can't, can't reach out, can't call, can't do anything. They interviewed him. He said, they asked him, what was the point that you realized that you had to do something. He said, the point that I realized I had to do something, I got a burden while I was in that crevice. He got to start thinking about his family. He got to start thinking about his mama and his daddy and what it would be like for them to find his dead rotting corpse in his grave. He got to thinking about it. He says, I got a burden. I can't do this, my family. Let me just say this. Uh, you might think what you're doing only hurts you, but it hurts everybody else around you. Those that won't come to church, uh, it's hurting everybody. You say it don't hurt nobody but me. Wrong. It hits, hurts everybody. He said, I got a burden for my family. And that's what you and I need to get a hold of. We need to get a burden for our family. We need to have a life that everybody sees that it's God's life. We need to have something in our life that say, hey, there's something to get in their life that I want to get a hold of. And I need, a, you need a burden for those in your family that's dying and going to hell today. He got a burden for his mama and his daddy. He says, if I don't do something... They're going to find me here. My dead, rotting corpse is going to hang here. I've got to do something. I've I got to cut this thing off. I've got to find a way to get out from this. He found a burden. You and I ought to have a burden. We ought to look around in this world that we come in contact with. Everybody we come in contact. And have a burden for them. We, we come in contact with people every day. 
you go out, you're coming in contact with people. And you ought to start looking at them people like Christ looks at people and get a burden for them. They're dying and going to hell or, or they may be saved or like somebody that's sitting in church and come to church all the time but something is holding them back. They've grabbed a hold of something and it's pulling them back and then you're not going to ever get released from that. You're never going to move beyond that until you get a burden for your family members and yourself. He, he said, I didn't know what to do. I was pinned there. I couldn't do anything. And he just said, you know what? This is it. I'm going to die here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to die right here. And for five days, five days, he was pinned beneath this boulder. He was living on nothing but the little bit of water he had. And when he ran out of the water, I won't tell you what he drank. He had a little bit of food left and he was nibbling on that trying to make it out. He lost over 40 pounds. He just said, this is where I'm going to die at. He thought to himself, throughout my life, I didn't think I'll ever end right here. I imagine there's been a lot of people that thought, I never thought I'd end right here. But then he got to thinking about his mom and daddy and what it would do to them. He said, I got a burden. I've got to do something. I've got to get out of here. I've got to move. I've got to cut this thing off or it's going to kill me. I've got to get away from it. You'll never get beyond your boulder of sin until you get a burden. He got the burden. He got the burden. He started cutting things off. I was, I was watching a commercial the other day. And you, you see these commercials with very skimpy, clatted women when drinking beer and having fun, smoking cigarettes and just making look. It, it, it makes sin look good. It does, I mean, it may, it, it, the commercials make sin look real good. And it never shows you the backside of sin. There's a danger of sin in your life. You say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven. But if there's sin in your life, something that you reached out and grabbed a hold, something that you saw, uh, something that you're going uh, has grabbed a hold of, you need to cut it off. He got a burden when he thought about his family. We need to get a burden, not just for our family, but for those around us. He got bold. Jesus was a bold preacher. He didn't hold back. He threw it out there. Here it is. You can gnaw on it if you want to. If you don't, then that's your, but, but like I said, many of them turned and walked with him no more. He got bold. <laughs> Jesus is preaching some bold stuff in this text. He's talking about Aaron Rawson. He took some bold steps to get himself released from his captivity. He got to looking at his arm and said, you know what? It's killing me. It's me, but it's killing me. And the only thing he had 
The only thing he did, he bought a $15 flashlight. And with the $15 flashlight, he got a utility knife, a multiple purpose knife. And I just happened to have one. I'm going to start carrying mine everywhere I go now. He said the only thing he had was this, this uh, multi-purpose knife. And he opened it up and he says, uh, he starts scraping his arm like that to see if it was cut, a, cut the hair. And he says it was dull. And he said for two, three days he was taking that knife uh, and he was chaving at the rock. And all it did was dull it more. He said his arm was pinned beneath this boulder. Four days, and he noticed his hand was starting to turn black. Turning black. He says, I, I, I got to do something. I got to get rid of this thing because it's killing me. It's done starting to decay. He even said that he took the knife and reached over to his hand and punched the hole, and it went. He said, the smell was awful. It was awful. He said, realize uh, I've got to have some bold steps. I've got to do something in order to get rid of this from my arm. I've got to get cut loose. Uh, I've got to get out from under it. Let me just tell you this. Sin that got you trapped, uh, you need to get out from under it. You've got to cut it off or it will kill you. You've got to take some bold steps. He took some bold steps. Paul said, for I know that in me, in this flesh, dwelleth no good thing. There's nothing good about it. And he said, have no confidence in the flesh. Can I tell you the flesh that you have with you this morning is your enemy? Your flesh this morning will kill you. Your flesh will drag you down this morning. It is not your friend. Aaron Ralston got bold. And he started cutting at his flesh. His knife wasn't sharp. He started cutting at him. And as he was cutting at his flesh, he realized something. This knife ain't going to cut through my bones. He got to realize this man's been hanging there for a while. He's cutting on his arm, don't you think? That's bold. That, that's bold. He's cutting his arm. He's cutting in his flesh because he knows, hey, this is killing me. I've got to get loose from this. I, I've got to get removed from this. And he starts cutting at his flesh. And, and then he realizes, I can't get through the bone with a dull knife. So... He starts cutting at his flesh. Paul said, it's old wretched man that I am. Not that I was, that I am. Who should deliver me from the body of this death? I got to thinking about that when he said that. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Paul was from Tarshish. I got to looking into that. I said, you know what? How did they treat criminals in that day? And, I, and, in, and in Rome that day, too, it was about the same way. 
If someone murders somebody, and this is what Paul was talking about, this body of death. If someone murders somebody, they would throw them in a cell, naturally. But they wouldn't be there by themselves. What they would do is the person they killed, they take and strapped them to their back and made them carry that dead person with them everywhere they done, whatever they, they couldn't get rid of it. And eventually the decay and the disease that was coming from that rotted corpse that they were carrying would get into them and kill them. So actually what it was, the person that killed somebody was killed by the person they killed. Man, that's some torture stuff. Paul said, hey, who's going to deliver me from this old wretched man? This body of death. Paul's talking about this body of death, this flesh. He's talking about who's going to be able to deliver me from this? Who's going to break me from this? I don't, I'm carrying this body with me. I've got to deal with this flesh every day. You've got to deal with the flesh every day. But who is able to deliver us from this body of death? Paul was saying, I'm saved. I've been set free. I've got a new man to walk with, but I fight with this old man daily. You never conquered the old man. There's a war raging inside every day. You never get beyond you and the old man. And the old man would say, hey, go over there. And I says, no, I can't. Look at that. No, I can't. Grab a hold of this. No, I can't. There's a battle with this old man every day. It's trying to lead you. It's trying to destroy you. You've got to get it cut off. He got a burden. He got bold. He started cutting in his flesh. He said, well, how in the world did he get free? He got broken. Can I say this? The only way you're ever going to get free of your sins is get broken about it. Get broken about it. As he was cutting on his flesh, as he was trying to cut that flesh with a dull knife, and as he got down to the bone, he said, I just couldn't do it. I, I, I couldn't do it. And what he said he did, he kind of jerked away. When he did, he felt tension on his arm. He felt tension on his arm. He sat there. He said, you know what? I can't cut through the arm with this knife that I've got. I'm going to have to break my arm. So he got to the point where the tension was, and what he did, he yanked himself and broke his arm in two places. Now that's enough to make you scream bloody murder. Here this man for five days has been hanging between this rock and a hard place and he's got this boulder pinning him down and he's cutting at his flesh and he's watching his hand decay right before his eyes and he says, if I don't get rid of it, it's going to kill me. And now he's got to break his arm to be set free. He said as he broke his arm, he got the attention, he broke that arm. He had already done left his family his last will and testament from the camera. He says, this is it. 
He didn't know if he could do it or not. But as he broke that arm and as he was cutting through the flesh and through the tignants the tignets and the, uh, the muscle and all that stuff, he, he start crying. He says, I start crying. He said, well, from the pain. He says, it wasn't from the pain. It was from the thought that I was about ready to be set free. And he cut through. There's some pain that he had to endure to set himself free. And this is what he said. And when I walked off the mountain, he said, I felt reborn, born again. He said, I left the old corpse in the canyon. And they took off to find some help. Not only do you get burdened, not only do you get bold, but you're going to have to get broken. The Bible says the sacrifices of God are broken spirit and broken and contrite heart. O oh God, thou will not despise. You know why some people will never get right. God, I'm talking about Christian people, and I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about Christian people. They don't want to get broken. They don't want to get broken. They never get to the place where they say no matter how bad I'm broken, no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad it hurts, I got to get rid of it. I got to get loose from it. If I don't, it's going to, they never get to the place they say I've got to lose it or it's going to kill me. They'll never get to the place where they say they want to be born again. Cut it off or it'll kill you. You've got to get desperate enough to cut it off. Desperate enough to break it. You've got to break those pleasures, those drinking, those thoughts. You've got to get them broken out of your life. If you don't, it'll kill you. There's battles every day with the old man, the old flesh. Let me tell you, I know who the sorriest person in this church is. It's me. It's me. I'm with me every day, and I know my thoughts, and I know my ways, and I know my actions. The sorriest person in this church is me. You don't know what the real problem was in this text that Jesus was talking about? The real problem that Jesus was dealing with in this text is not the hands, it's not the eyes, it's not the feet. The real problem in this text is it's the heart. It's the heart. I came across another story and I thought it was very interesting. England, years ago, you know, back then they cut your hand off, you stole. They called him Stilly and they cut his hand off. Once several months later, they call him stealing again. Cut his hand off. And here this guy's walking around with no hands. Months after that, they called him stealing again. Now, how in the world did he steal? They said that he got so good in a crowd of people that he could actually get up close to somebody and go, and pull their billfold out of their pocket and they'd never know it. He would sit down with his feet and they'd go through his, their billfold with his feet. 
The problem was his hands. The problem was his heart. That's our problem. Our problem is not our eyes. Our problem is not our hands. Our problem is not our feet. Our problem is our heart. And the thing about God said, he said, he'll take that stony heart, that cold, dead, beating junk in your body. He said, I'll take that stony heart and I'll replace it with the heart of flesh. You just got to want to change hearts. You just got to want to give him your heart. Here, Lord, take my heart. Take all of me. Take my heart. Take my eyes. Take my hands. Take my feet. Lord, I, I, I got to get rid of it because if I don't, it's going to kill me. You say, well, I'm good. I don't have anything in my life that's holding me back. I don't have anything in my life that's hindering me. You better get up here quick because the devil's got you deceived already. Because you say you're good, let me tell you what, then there's something wrong. You don't have the Spirit of God inside of you because you got the Spirit of God inside of you. There's a wrestling match. You got out of bed this morning with a wrestling match. Should I go to church or not? I had a wrestling match with the devil this morning when I got get right to get out of bed because I didn't want to get out of bed. Don't tell me you're good. When you say you're born again, our hearts. The whole thing that Jesus was trying to tell him is your hearts. Get your heart right with God. You're going to get up in the morning, you're going to fight the devil, but you're going to fight him with more power than you ever had before. He broke, he broke free. And he's walking down the mountain. He's done lost 40 pounds, about ready to die from loss of blood. He ran into another Swedish couple and their child, and they got him help, got him some food, and they helped him. And he looked back at all that he went and done, all that he endured, and he had a smile on his face, cutting his own arm off, watching the hand turn black from decay. But he made his mind up. I got to get rid of it. It's going to kill me. Have you made your mind up? Or are you going to hold on to it longer and longer? I don't know how long it takes for a body to decay from one end to the other end. But I know when I see my hands turning black, I'm going to the doctor and let them cut it off. But you got to give them. Got to get it cut off. Let us stand this morning.